Welcome to the Fuel Life Simply podcast with Ben and Christy. In each episode, we will focus on the simple ways to improve your health and hopefully your life. In today's episode, we are going to be doing a quick update on our goals and discussing Demar Hamlin and the NFL and talking a little bit about AI, chat GPT. With uh, so many things going on in the news, we felt that this would be pretty fitting to talk about current event items that have hit us and that we're seeing um, like right in front of us. We don't watch the news or listen to the news or read the news that much, but these are pretty big topics. So I feel like they're pretty important to, to discuss with our audience and see Hopefully get some feedback from how other people are feeling too. Definitely. We can put a question in at the end of our episode and our listeners can chat and respond. Yeah, for sure. So update on goals. How are you doing with your goals? Pretty good. I feel like, I feel like I'm doing well. Uh, We have a joint goal that we're working on together and my own individual goal of being kind to myself while I'm in the gym and I feel like I'm doing pretty good at it. Like I've got steady progress. I'm sore today. So it shows that I'm working in the gym. Um, I have a own personal issue with insurance. So dealing with that piece, but besides that, it's out of my control and I'm tackling it the best I can and enjoying our time reconnecting with uh, our readings and looking at life and perspective so that might be a whole other discussion you know where we talked about um in the readings uh just as you are just as we are and the non-rejecting path and that sort of interesting perspective seeing humans as humans so right i think i'm doing pretty good awesome i'd give myself a pat on the back yeah (laughs) i think so too how about you january has been strong Uh, i feel good um my, I've done my breathing most days, so there are some days that I miss or missed. And I've just been, I notice a difference. I don't, I don't feel the same. I don't return to my breath during times of mm-hmm. being anxious or flurried or whatever it would be like where you're just kind of in that mode of go, 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 go and trying to return to your breath in regards to, um, you know, staying, staying calm, staying with, uh, with the moment. But I do feel like it's been good and I'm excusing myself when I don't make it or don't do it in the mornings, there's a reason. And so I just let it go and I start again the next day. So that's been really good. I think our readings have been good. I think what's been positive for me is that one goal has kind of led to other ones. Mm. So it started with breathing and then it kind of went into the goal that we're doing together in regards to our readings, which really connects because a lot of the conversation in the reading is about sitting with how you're feeling, Mm -hmm. acknowledging how you're feeling and then trying to move through it. And then I think it's also been good. They've led to other pieces for us, um, professionally goals that we're setting now professionally and then I think also with just trying to limit alcohol intake it's kind of led to that too where we're saying it just doesn't maybe we don't need to have glasses of wine every night 
right. and make that a habit. It's it's more of certain days or a couple times a week and then getting back to feeling good and mm-hmm. and being productive. So I feel like that's been good and we'd be curious to see what other people are setting as goals. Um, I know based on our product, a lot of the people that are approaching us are about weight loss or getting healthy, uh, but I'm curious too about what other people's goals are, like what are they really looking for in this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think, I think it's an easy one to set for lose weight, get in shape. It's not always easy to meet. I'm curious though what other ones people do because it's like when we did the research, right, it's 50% or 60% of the resolutions are about losing weight and getting healthy or eating healthy. So right. I'm curious about that other 40% and what it might be and what people are looking at. Right. It could be relationships. A lot of it was relationships and financial, that sort of right. sort of um, goals. So, I mean, we're here now at the end of January and it is interesting to see, or it would be interesting to see how are people continuing on? What little stumbles have they had, if they've had any, and are they still pushing forward? Hopefully right. not losing sight of how to improve themselves, you know what, no matter what that might look like. Right. That's what it's about, is setting goals to make an improvement mm-hmm. in your life, hopefully. Yep, and dealing with the, I guess, quote-unquote failure when you don't hit the goal you set, is it a really a failure? Um, that question, because probably people feel that way and really is it to a certain extent. Well, if we go back to our readings, it would say, no, it's not. It's just where you are and to be gentle to yourself. You and can... an opportunity to keep learning. Yeah, for sure. So I think one big thing that came up for us personally was the DeMar Hamlin injury uh, on Monday night football. Mm -hmm. So um, it feels as the playoffs have gone on that it's definitely been put more into the background. I think as a culture, that's generally what we do. People forget. Right. And, and, and we just, we have this tendency as humans or a culture to just move on, maybe not even deal with it. Uh, appropriately or fully that we recognize what happened. I don't think anybody denies that. And, and then now we know he's okay. So we just move on with our lives. Uh, And I think. But also, is he okay? We see from the outside what they want us to believe, but is he and like, hopefully his quality of life and like, he can still pursue all of his dreams I mean, those might be different now when I think we're going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Like we're given an outside perspective, but his life probably has changed. He's not practicing with the NFL anymore. And will he ever? Right. So it's very interesting, all of it. Yeah. So so it affected both of us quite dramatically, I think, Mm -hmm. maybe more than others. And I'm curious to to hear maybe from our listeners also how it affected them or if they're still working to process it or whether it's it's been easier to move on. So like for you, do you want to talk about how 
it affected you? Um, sure. I just, I, I remember we were uh, in the kitchen and uh, you were pulling up the game and it just, I mean, we happened to catch it right at that moment. And I don't know if you saw the initial part when he fell, but I saw like the hit and, and then they were replaying it or that he fell over and then they started replaying it. And I was like, oh my God, he literally stood up. He just stood up and collapsed. And I, I was started pacing. I was like, I can't, like, it just was like to see somebody just fall over that way. And I'm going to try to maintain my composure right now, but it, it does. It, it took me, it took me back to the accident. And I don't, I don't know how to say it and I don't want to use her name, but our daughter's accident, like that moment when you just don't know, I don't know. And it's just like that how did he just fall over and collapse like that piece? And I remember they were all kneeling around him and then they were like, they're going to play again. And I just was like, how, how can they continue to play? Like, how can they actually ask human beings with emotions and feelings to continue on? Like I couldn't comprehend it. And I just remember pacing and I'm like, I can't watch it anymore. And I was like laying in, in the bed and, and you were messaging with your friends and, and there were, and you were like, they were talking about the ambulance and, and you knew it. You were like, they're giving him CPR. I don't even remember the words that were used or, but you're like, they're giving him CPR. And I'm like, at that moment, I was like, I can't, I can't, I actually cannot handle it. Like, I was like, I'm like, this man might die. And then I just remember being like, if they play, I won't watch the NFL anymore. Like, how can they not value a human being's life? That's how I felt in that moment. And then um, then they decided, the coaches and everybody said that they're not going to continue to play. And I was like, okay, that's good. And all I, all I cared about was like, I was, I didn't want to hear the announcers because that's like a trigger too. But I was kind of like, I want to know that this man is okay. I just need to know that he's okay. Like, I knew that I felt this need to know. And then immediately that the, the feeling too went to his mother. I was like, Oh my gosh, did his mom see this happen? She's right there. So my heart went completely out to her because it's one of those feelings that you can't explain when you're connected with somebody and something happens to them, that relationship, it's like, you, I don't know. So I just, as a mother, I felt for her. My my was like, how is she? Right. Well, and it's it's a feeling I think of helplessness. Yes. Because you're used to protecting somebody. Yes. And it's your child, and now they're in a situation where you're relying on other people to help them and to get them through the moment. Yes. Which in our daughter's case was the situation, right. and. Completely helpless. Right. And then DeMar's case was the situation. It was all relying on the medical professionals to be able to save somebody. Right. And then I just remember being like, why aren't they, why aren't they getting him to the hospital? Like, why aren't they doing this? Or like, and I don't know the protocol or procedure. And thankfully they did everything that they needed to do in the right way. Um, And that he had quick response. And then of course my, like, Tandem, or at the same time, the feeling was when you were saying they're giving him CPR was like, how are you feeling? And like my heart hurting, knowing that piece with the CPR. 
for you and and how you might be feeling. And thank God they weren't showing it. Like, and then I was like, oh my gosh, the kids in the stands, the people in the, the people in the arena or the stadium, like they're seeing all of this, like that's traumatic too. And all the football players. And it's just like, it's like a domino effect of like, this is, this is a major event that, not many people see, but they're like, it's broadcast and there's right. thousands of people's eyes and hundreds of people's hands are on this young man. So, right. When, so, so I think we were both, we were both in very different spaces at, at that time. I didn't really even know how to react. And I was messaging with friends and cause they were watching the game and mm-hmm. you were, you were, dealing with it in your way and trying to figure out how to comprehend. And then I don't think I started to process it until more after the event. But my first reaction was this guy's going to die. And here's why. Well, a lot of people don't understand. So the, when somebody goes into cardiac arrest or has a heart attack, um, if you do not have an AED machine, the chances of survival are 9%. Mm -hmm. 9%. 9%. So we're taught all the CPR and how to keep people alive. But in reality, you have a 9% chance if you're giving somebody CPR that they're going to survive. It increases quite dramatically when you have an AED machine and it goes to 39%. So obviously my experience with giving CPR to Mike was unsuccessful. Um, I mean, they were able to revive him, but he had been, he had not had... He had, his heart had stopped beating for more than five minutes, which is pretty much the mark. So, of course, my first reaction is this guy's going to die mm-hmm. and he's well and he's going to die on the field. And what is even the likelihood if they do revive him? What is he what is his life going to be like? Mm-hmm. And like what damage? Right. Could have been. To his brain, to his organs, to his heart, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, so. So I went down that path. It connected a lot for me with, with my trauma. And it's, to me, it's like still, that's, that's almost five years ago now. And it still resonates. Mm-hmm. It is, it's, it's post-traumatic stress disorder because you, you look at that and it, like, it brings all those emotions and memories back. Um, and so... So just trying to even process it, I don't think I've processed it even now. And it's been over a month since it occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and we made a conscious decision not to watch football. I think that's one that I don't, I don't want to have that response again in watching a game this year because I've dealt with it enough. I don't really want to deal with it in that fashion. Uh, so I'm working to process it on my own at my own pace rather than just falling right back into my old habits of watching the NFL. Right. It's that every time somebody gets hit, you're like, oh, is he okay? <gasps> like, what did he hurt? Like, I can't. Yeah. If it's too much. No. For right <laughs> like, now, it really yeah. is. It really is. And I don't know how many other people are doing it doing that. I think I also disagree with the way that the NFL handled mm-hmm. it. I think to even to know that they were giving him CPR and then say that they were going to give him, I think it was six minutes to go back in the locker room 
you know, regroup and then come back out and play. And do a even warm that, up period. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, even that feels, I mean, to me, insulting. Like, as humans, to me, that to even suggest that that's what they were going to do, that's that's rough because they're looking at the the idea of playoffs and really, let's be honest, at the bigger picture, money. Right. Money. I think lost. that was a big piece. Like both of us felt that way. I could say is that we're like, how can we support um, an entity that just so quickly was willing to just brush it aside to continue on for sake of the game, right. which in our eyes are, it, it is the bottom do- the dollar. It's the right. dollar. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I, I, I did see like a bunch of stuff on like social media or whatever. And they're like, get on with the game. And, oh, you screwed up the playoffs. And I'm like, Somebody almost died. Right. Thankfully, he's walking and talking and he, and he is continuing on with his vision and mission and seeing life. And um, I'm, I'm glad that we saw that little video today. Yeah. Um, just to see, like, how well he's prog- progressed, at least the video that they shared. So, yeah. I mean, I. It's, am- it's amazing. It's amazing. And, and I think, too. Like when when we look at like I, I could go on the whole list of what I feel the NFL should have done, and and many people probably won't agree with me, except that I know that those players have they even had a chance? I would say every player and every team have they really had a chance to even process what happened, because some of them are thinking about it, some might not, and some brush past it. In somewhere in their mind, though, is the feeling that when they step on that field, there's a possibility that they will die. Right. So how is the NFL dealing with that? I understand there was plenty of stuff that that went out in media that they had um, therapists on site and they had people that that the players could go to to talk. And so I'm sure that happened. And how much was it embraced by the organizations and how much was it embraced by the players and and what is the culture in the NFL locker room of is that a sign of weakness so will actually people go to get therapy right. I mean it's all questions right well and I hope that they they took advantage of it and I mean I remember for for days if not the following weeks we were like what about the guy at um, Higgins like, yeah. that uh hit him like the the amount of guilt that survivor's guilt it was an accident or he wasn't even he he was hit by damar he was he didn't even hit damar it was the opposite but he was involved in the play and i mean there's some trauma there right and i i wonder how he's doing yeah and i think i think what what i equated it to is like if if any of you are in any job if somebody in your line of work died at the job, what would it be like going back to work the next day? And that's what the NFL did, really. It was like, you, you're like, okay, we're just going to go back to work next Sunday and we're going to play games. So if people are ready and they want to do that, they go through it. Okay, fine. I'm just wondering because that is, I feel like that is a piece of our society where it's like when something happens, 
like we're strong Americans and we're going to do this and we're going to get through it and we're going to push on. But when do you actually deal with the thought process or what happened? And generally, I know from experiences, you don't. Like, it took me years to actually start dealing with it because I just kept pushing on through the pain and the torment and the hurt. So I think my reaction was like, can they actually do something different to prevent even one of those guys to go through that and then mm. feel it later or or not be able to deal with it? Because look, I mean, who knows what who knows what that team is still dealing with too. He's okay from what we see and what's in the back of everybody's mind with that team, especially mm -hmm. like, is he going to be able to play? And, and for, for NFL players, a lot of them, that's their, that's their way to survive and live. That's their way of making money. And what are their options afterward? DeMar seems like he's gonna, whether he, whether he plays again or not, it seems like he's already got a path that he's on to, you know, for success for himself. But other players, like, there's got to be that doubt. There's got to be that, that, that pit in your stomach or in your mind. Um, and what did it contribute? I mean, the Bills are out of the playoffs. They lost to the Bengals, right? So, um, so did it contribute to that too? Could, were they, how did it affect them playing? And I don't think, I don't think that society or the NFL is really looking at that wholeheartedly. Um, and so I just wonder, I, I'm, I'm very pessimistic and I won't watch a Super Bowl this year. I don't think I've missed one uh, in my life, but I won't watch this one just because I'm not in full agreement with how it all played out. And and I don't really want to watch. I don't want to have the, those feelings. And I feel like I want to deal with them in a different way when it comes up. Right. And I think you're allowed. Everybody's allowed to process. Right. And I'm right there with you. Yeah, we're on the same page for sure. Yeah. So... Um, and I think, too, I, when we watched his video, I have to say that I was extremely impressed with how he approached it, that, you know, he talked about himself as a, as a vessel of God, mm -hmm. that he, he's using this, not using this, this event on Monday Night Football has propelled him into the spotlight of the world and that he's able to propel really what he was talking about is his foundation and organization and his charity being mm -hmm. able to raise that money for kids right continue on doing good for others it seemed as if his you know he's, he started that charity in his community and it was always his aim to give back and it has slowly grown and due to this incident and accident People have gener generously contributed, and he he just wants to continue to see it through and grow. And it, it seems like that's his passion and to give back. And I feel like he's got a really good head on his shoulders, and he he just feels kind and genuine. And I want to see him be successful in that. And it's just giving. He's got a giving 
giving nature about him. I mean, and that's just based on, you know, what I see from the outside. So I, I, I liked it. And I feel like you made a really good point after we had watched it. It was, it was about like, he's not, Oh, my goal is to get back and play. It wasn't, you know, self-centered in that way. He was like, what can I do for other people? I'm still here. I want to continue to give. Right. And that was, that's impressive. Yeah, I agree. And I do, I do believe that that's his character. I think what he portrayed in that video was he was thankful for being alive and he thanked all the people that helped him. Mm -hmm. And his focus was on what it allowed him to do, not what it did for him, not what the event did for him, what it allowed him to do for other people, mm -hmm. for his charity and for the kids that he gives back to. Mm -hmm. So, you, I mean, you just, I don't think... How whatever is going on behind the scenes, whether it was orchestrated or whatever the piece is, like, I just don't, I don't feel that way. I feel like that's him. I think that's his character. And I think that what he was saying was, was true to his heart and nature. And I, I mean, I'm going to believe that. And I feel that that's, that's how we all should be. That, that when we, when we find ourselves in a spotlight or in the center of attention that we can utilize it to help others and focus on the needs of other people. I agree. Fine tooth comb, exactly what you're looking for and it will keep spitting stuff out. And I've used it, I've used it to create a newsletter for, for an email mm -hmm. and it did it. It literally did in about 15 seconds. Now I'm also extremely picky. So I had to go through it and correct the things that I felt were incorrect about it. Mm -hmm. And I had to make it more personable. And I wanted to add our, our flair to it in regards to our business. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people will do that, but I, but I could see that I could see that, that it helped me get a basis and probably saved me hours because there were pieces in there that I would have had to research that I knew, but I would have had to research a little bit to, put it into the information. Mm -hmm. So it's able to basically take that information pretty much off the internet and give it to you in a humanly written piece. Right. Nice, nicely compiled piece of right. information. Well, and we have so much knowledge in our, in our brain that sometimes we don't remember all of it. And what I noticed is, is as you ask it questions, it, it finds things that you're like, Oh yeah. Like that's important piece of information. Like I knew that, but it wasn't in my forefront. I was thinking more in this way. So what I think is interesting about it is it forces you to be creative. So as the user, the human, you have to be creative in what you're asking it so it can produce what you're looking for. But um, yeah, I think that it, it pulls, like you said, multiple sources and is able to compile it yeah. neatly. Well, and so I think this is this has gotten a lot of attention for multiple reasons. One, I think for business owners, you start to go, okay, what what pieces of your business are you going to be able to cut out that are humanly run? Right. So if you have, if you are in a bigger business, then are you going to be able to just use this to write your newsletters and your staff of two, three, five, ten people can be let go because you don't need that. You're going to have something that might do a better job or, or 
you know, we were even talking to somebody about it at the gym. What will this person, will this person, will this AI be able to create legal documents? Right. Or leases for cars or houses or the, is it, are you going to be able to, as one person, do the job of five if you are leasing cars to people? Because all you have to do is put it into the system and then it generates a lease for that person or whatever it is. Right. Well, and one of our friends who's also an entrepreneur, she was playing with it and she said this this writing of blogs and copy uh, would have taken her and her two employees like three or four days. She'd go up to them and say, can you do this? And they'd take them hours to write it. And then she'd look at it and then ask them to change it. And then they'd fix it. And she literally puts it in the machine and within playing with it within five minutes, she's like, I've saved days. I have saved days and hours of time right. with this. And so that kind of made us a little intrigued and we checked it out. But as a teacher, after we started playing with it, I, I remember telling you, I was like, former teacher, former teacher, former teacher. <laughs> that uh, I was like, oh, once the students get a hold of this, this is a game changer. It will be a nightmare for teachers. So it's very interesting because you think because I, I taught middle school reading and writing. And you think if I you know ask middle schoolers to write a paper and they figure out how to use this, how how is the the educator besides knowing the student and their personality, will be able to uh, plagiarize check this. Right. But I, I feel like there's already a young man who's quite bright, who's figured out an app for this. And this this young man's going to make millions. <laughs> but, but it's it's but scary. It's, like, can could, yeah. could, could a college student be like, can you write my scholarship essay? Right. Can you write my college entrance letter? And then we get into the whole, the whole piece of like, how do you restrict it? Do mm -hmm. you restrict it? I mean, in a, in a democracy, in a capitalistic society, would that be okay to restrict students from using it? Like, when, shouldn't they be able to use it? Or college students, like it's available. It's a technology. We're utilizing it in business. Is that cheating? Because it's not all. They're calling it the cheat bot now. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's it's going to be a lot of these, I think, um, uh, just theoretical questions, but also societal questions that we look at in regards to as it as it breeds more life. And and we see it more and more in different organizations, because what as a human that you look at you as specifically being former educators, specifically how students socialization we feel has regressed so much mm -hmm. with the use of cell phones, technology, gaming, COVID in the middle of it all that, that we saw students who had a really hard time interacting with others, interacting with adults, interacting with even family. And now what do you do where you're not even asking, like they're not even having to think. So if they're in middle school and high school and they can have a computer write a paper for them, when are they ever going to have to think? Or if they're texting and you have autocorrect for everything, then when are they going to have to think? Mm -hmm. Where's the next part where it's like um, somebody asks, like if somebody responds in your text, are you going to have an AI where you go, please respond to the text? Well, it's also a piece where... 
I feel like we read it somewhere where it was like, well, you could even ask it how to respond to the text. Like if you're in an argument, it's like asking, it, it's like asking your friend, how do I handle this situation? Instead of asking another human with feelings and experience, yeah. they're going to chat AI and saying, well, I'm in a fight with my friend. How should I handle this situation? And it'll spit out 10 different ways to right. respond. So you're not even coming up with it on your own. You're, right. I mean, you're asking, but you can literally pick from 10 suggestions mm -hmm. on how to handle it. And just imagine the millions of interactions that this thing has already had and it's learning. It's learning yeah. from every question and interaction yeah. and, and the, the question of tweak it for this or add this. So it's picking up and learning from us. It's kind of scary. I mean, yeah. it's quite, it's intriguing. And I love how it assists us right. when we need it. I still feel like we're old school and we go back to relying on ourselves yeah. and our own brains. <laughs> but I haven't used it all this week. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not using it like every day. Right. But it is, it is very interesting and it is flying. Yeah. I mean, remember one day we went on there and it was like a high overload or whatever. Yeah, it unable couldn't even to, work. Yeah. It wouldn't even work. Because too many people were trying to access it. So it's going to be, I mean, we're going to see more and more as it goes. And I think there's, I think there's also a lot of fear. I go to the socialization of people mm -hmm. um, because I think in our line of work, we're interacting with people on a daily basis. I think we've actually, I think we've, regressed in our technology use a little bit. We're on email a lot and we're on social media a lot, but I would say we're interacting with people tenfold in comparison to being on social media. Right. Like there's way more interactions that we have daily with people than we do on social media. So like, so I think, um, so I don't know how it's going to fully affect us but I think of people that are doing mostly online work and selling things online only or, or are in that line of work or even businesses that do, they, they're responsible for thousands and thousands of jobs. How is it going to come in to those workforces and cut people? Right. I mean, it's a really good question. I think that ultimately creativity is going to keep people's jobs. Like you have to be able to use it, but um, I don't, I don't know that it'll take over. Right. I mean, there's likelihood could be yeah. years, many years down the road, but. Right. You, you would hope, you would hope that it'll be a tool for people rather than replacing people. Absolutely. Right. So you hope, you hope that whatever, like, like I'll go back to that, the crew of, let's say five people that write a newsletter for a large corporation. What you hope is that those five people will work together and use it, keep their jobs and use it to be able to be more creative mm -hmm. and create even better newsletters rather than it, the boss just going, well, this does a better job than you and you're replaced more of. It has to be in line with the user and how intelligent they are for how they use it to, you know, progress their craft as well. Right. 
Because I know, like I know, I've looked up, I've, I've asked it certain questions about black rice. Most of the information that it spits back, I already know. Right. The scientific studies, the health benefits, on and on. There are things, though, that it will come back with where I'm like, oh, I got to research that a little bit more. So in that, in that piece, there's like two or three things where I had to go a little bit deeper into because it gave me ideas of how to approach it and further research. Right. I was just going to say, when you said how to approach it, it's almost like the delivery of it or the the way to maybe organize the work. It, it provides a, a good visual that you can then make it your own. Yeah. Right? It's, it's pretty good. I think it learns from us as we learn how to use it. I did feel that way, like, as we were first starting to play with it. I'm like, I feel like it's actually training me in a weird way. Like, I'm getting better at it, but I feel like it's training me in an odd way. (laughs) So that felt kind of odd. But, yeah, I think it's it's definitely a good tool if if you know what you're looking for. And if you don't, just play with it a little bit and it'll help you out. (laughs) So Exactly. Probably even more reason, though, to start getting into hands-on things like trades. We were talking about that today because AI, an AI computer that's writing isn't going to help you fix... Your plumbing. The plumbing or the electrical issues or build your house. I'm sure eventually... Maybe it can give you a step-by-step how-to. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's probably true. How to build a house. We'll have to ask that. That's pretty funny. Yeah, Yeah, we will. Uh, Yeah. How to design a house or design an apartment. Well, I can write code. Yeah, that's right, too. We haven't played with that piece, though. I'm 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 at baby steps on writing code or using code, but supposedly it can help write code. Mm -hmm. It's true. So So we talked about a lot of issues today, and so we definitely love to hear from you about how goals are going. Um, We'd love to hear from you, maybe input on, on your piece of you know, on DeMar and whether you agree with us or not, or just your insight or how it affected you. And then the whole AI piece. So please like, you know, keep up with us, um, follow us on social media. Uh, please reach out, give us your, um, give us your opinions on these topics and we'll, we'll continue doing our podcasts and talk about, um, you know, all of, all of the pieces of Fuel Fun for Life. So we hope you have uh, an amazing day, an amazing week, and remember to fuel life simply.